It takes a bit of a blend of art and science to get baking just right, and having extra eyes, ears, and hands can make a big difference along the way. That's where AB Maori North America comes into play. We're the team behind industrial and artisan bakers that help optimize success. We'll discuss more on this episode of The Oven Light. So let's get going. Flip the switch. Welcome back, everybody. The switch is on. The oven light is now on. We've got a special guest today, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about this. This gentleman is, is a family friend, also in the sports world in the Midwest of the U.S., in St. Louis. Very well known, has been part of bringing major sporting a- events and activities to the city of St. Louis for a long time. Now the chief advisory officer for the St. Louis Sports Commission after serving for 28 years as the president and CEO of of the commission. Spent some time at the St. Louis Visitors Commission. Also some time with UMSL. That's the University of Missouri-St. Louis for some of those lay people out there. We welcome today Frank Viverito. Thank you, Rick. So excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. And and here's the thing. You're on a baking program. What's the deal? Seriously. <laughs> and I can't bake. You certainly can't. We're going to get into all that. But hey, let's jump right into this sports thing because it's it's in your blood. It's part of your history. It's part of your life. How did this whole thing start with you? It's I mean, it's more than a bug. You know, oh, this is bitch, bitch you for life. Oh, a- absolutely. Uh, when, after I graduated from college at, at Rutgers University in New Jersey, I went to law school and I stuck with law school for two weeks. Okay. I was pretty impressed. I lasted that long. And what I really wanted to do was work in sports, and I thought a law degree would be a good way to do that. I was wrong. A law degree helps you be a lawyer, and and that wasn't really what I wanted to do. So I went to graduate school at the University of Massachusetts in, in sport management. There were, I believe, two sport management programs at the time. Now I think there are two universities that don't have a sport management program. And, and so we kind of got in on the on the ground floor of of sports business and you know you talk about getting bitten by a bug like that 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 was it we had a, a kind of a bird's eye view of, of the jobs that I had in in minor league baseball major league baseball collegiate athletics uh, of the sports industry just start to really grow by leaps and bounds were you the kid that just woke up on Saturday mornings looking at the sports page and just going through the stats it, it, how did you know me back then? <laughs> no, it, it, that's exactly right. I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I used to wait for the sporting news to be delivered every Saturday morning in the mail, and and I would sit there and and read box scores of minor and major league baseball games from all across the country. And and you know, growing up in Brooklyn, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to to play. You know, m- my dad worked. We had one car. My mother didn't drive. And, you know, we, we played punch ball in the street, not Little League Baseball in the field. And, and so this was kind of my way to, to be close to sports, even though I wasn't, you know, much of an athlete in terms of opportunities to play organized sports. All right. So l- let's turn the page a little bit. You, you've been part of some major events here, right? And, and we're going to hold off on the Museo Awards, which mm-hmm. are coming up here yeah. in December. And it's going to be another exciting time for you. But been part of the Final Four. I mean, boy, what a matchup you had. North Carolina and Illinois. 
countless other events for wrestling, the Frozen Four for hockey. If you had to pick a highlight of all these things and in, in kind of wrapping up a career, what would you choose and why? Yeah, when I get that question, I usually say it's like asking me to pick my favorite child. You know, they're, they're all wonderful in their own way. So so for for high profile has to be the NCAA men's Final Four. I, I, I don't remember a time where St. Louis really shone so brightly as as that that event. We just all felt good about about St. Louis and, and it couldn't have been better weather. It couldn't have been a more competitive event. It, it was great to have Illinois here and and all of that. You know, you talk about an event that we're so proud to have built. I I tell you the the NC, the NCAA wrestling championships have been so wonderful. We've done them 12 times in St. Louis uh, since 2000. And when I go out and speak to groups, I usually say, how many of you are college wrestling fans? Nobody raises their hand, okay? And then I said, if I told you that that St. Louis has hosted 12 NCAA championships and college wrestling fans ha- have spent in excess of $130 million here over the past 20 years, how many of you are college wrestling fans? Everybody puts up their hand. So I'm so excited that they were able to build something and grow that championship in, into a very special event and, and a special one for St. Louis. Is, is it fair to say on the wrestling slide that that statistic is gut-wrenching? Is, <laughs> by the way, that's a wrestling move, all right? It's in the Olympics, right? Am I right on that, Frank? Yeah. Rick, you know everything about sports. I should be interviewing you. No, we're having a good time here. We, uh, you, you talked about UMass earlier, and there's, there's two programs, as you mentioned, the, the premier sports administration programs. One, this lowly school up in Massachusetts, the University of Massachusetts. Great. It's a great program, minor league, and, and really the whole scheme of things. I'm kidding. I went to Ohio University, which has a sports administration program, and was the first in, in the nation to do that and had a deal with the L.A. Dodgers for interns. So, no, but I mean, how did you really, you know, you said you went to law school. What what did UMass really teach it? Because it's a great program for people who want to get into this this background. As you mentioned, there's a lot of schools that do it, but why UMass? Well, you know, I, I think UMass saw what was going on in Athens, Ohio, and and saw an opportunity to to grow a program that was going to be developing in popularity. Okay, I, I had some incredible good fortune that year in between dropping out of law school and and going to graduate school. And I don't know that anybody will remember this, but back in the late 1970s, instead of pitchers running in from the bullpen they would often drive them in a car, okay? And at the time, there was a car company called Datsun, now Nissan, and they created bullpen cars, okay, for several teams. I love them. I love them. They're, they're, they're awesome. Well, I won the Los Angeles Dodgers bullpen car, okay? And, what? And, and Is that, that what's out in the parking lot? No, it's <laughs> not. No, that's, that was... That was 45 years ago, it's, it, it, it was a good car, but not that good a car. And, and so I, I actually drove that car for, for eight years. I went out to Los Angeles to pick it up, and, and it was almost a sign to me, okay? You, you, you left law school. You're, you're not sure how to get into sports that you've loved forever. And, and, and I won that car. I ended up driving it for eight years and was like, this is going to be okay. And I, and I took a look at the at the programs available. There were two. I applied to both of them. Truth be told, I got into one of 
them and I didn't get into the other one. So that was, that was my, that was my choice. And, and God bless you, Mass, for having the foresight to start a program, you know, that is flourishing now and, you know, and, and, and is really an entree for people who want to work in the sports industry. Absolutely. I've, I've had friends who go there. It's a, it's a great program and, and excited to hear that about the, the bullpen car. I didn't know that with you. That's a, that's an outstanding story. So, all right. So Frank, I, you know, I don't know if you're semi-retired. I don't know what we call it, but as this chief advisory position, you, you know, we went through some times and, and, and I don't know if the pandemic weighed on you at all, but you picked up a new hobby, and it was nothing about collecting baseball cards or collecting stamps or anything like that. Another passion, and you picked up the passion of baking. I'm trying to pull this all into baking. And there's some truth there, and you can laugh all you want, but you got really into it, didn't you? Well, you know, there's a good friend of mine at, at A.B. Maury named Greg Strauss, and, and, and Greg has been connected to the Sports Commission, St. Louis Sports Commission, for years, so much so that I— I'm proud to tell the world that the St. Louis Sports Commission is the only sports commission with an official yeast, okay? And, and awesome. that is Fleischmann's yeast is our official yeast. And, and Greg and I would always, you know, talk about that, joke about that. Uh, and then once we did get a little serious about baking, and, and he offered me a, a private baking lesson w- with he and his wife at their home, and, and I went to learn how to bake bread. Okay. And, and I loved to do that. Okay. It was easy enough that I could sort of figure it out. The, the yeast rose overnight, so I didn't have to like do a whole lot to it, but, but it kind of became a, a, a hallmark, a family holiday tradition. We, we don't have a family holiday at our place uh, unless dad bakes some bread. That's pretty cool. So that that's about my entire repertoire of, of baking activities, but but it's good enough that it it counts for a lot. Do you think there's an analogy here when you talk about baking, getting the right ingredients? The right things have to be right on the countertop, kind of like a sports team. You got to have the right ingredients. We've been watching baseball playoffs recently and college yes. football, right? It, Do you think there's something there? I I think there's something there, and and I think that it's like a lot of other things is, is you just have to do it. Okay. So, so the idea of baking bread seemed very difficult to me until the first time that I did it. And I realized it was not that difficult and, and it doesn't even take that many ingredients. You can make a, a wonderful loaf of bread, you know, with, with flour and water and yeast and a little bit of salt. And, and then I started adding a little bit of rosemary and some black olives and a little bit of cheese. And, and before you know it, it's it's the star of the meal, and and so yeah, you 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 got to try it. I I love eating. You know, we're Italian. We eat bread all the time, and and so you know, lemon meringue pie, a little bit beyond me, but I can make a pretty good loaf of bread. So, what is your favorite loaf to make, and and would your family agree with you? Oh, a- absolutely. It, it's a classic. New York Times recipe. It's like a it's like a no need kind of peasant bread that you you let it you know you 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 kind of put it together in the afternoon. You you let it rise overnight for you know sixteen eighteen hours, and then I also got the 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 Dutch oven that that is my friend that that I never knew what to do with before. 
I think it's the one we got for our wedding 42 years ago and had no idea what to make in it. And now we make bread in it all, all the time. And, you know, sometimes you get a couple loaves going at, at once. This past Christmas was the first time I ever tried a gluten-free bread. And, and I learned that a, that a gluten-free bread is made with a consistency that's more like batter than a bread which is made more like dough. And and so that was a revelation to me, pretty basic for all the real baker listeners to this podcast. But you know, I'm a I'm a neophyte when it comes to that. But it was really, really fascinating to to see how different types of, of bread products come together. Absolutely. All right. Now it's one of our favorite times on the show. It's the hot pan, right? Time for some hot questions. Let's see what Frank, we're going we're gonna to throw them at you, see what you got. Favorite item to eat at a sporting event? Do they have eggplant parmesan sandwiches at sporting Same, events? What? What kind of event are you going to? Are we talking about bocce ball or what? <laughs> yeah. I'm, on the hill? I, I'm, I'm always thinking about that. When, when we went to my first time at, at the Seattle Mariners ballpark several years ago, they had a, they had a stand with Asian food and, and it was called intentional walk. And, and, I, and I've never, I've never forgotten that, that, that was a, that was a classic ballpark food. My other favorite concession stand food in a ballpark is out in San Francisco, the garlic fries. Oh, they're, they're, pretty special. And I think you can get a Primanti Brothers sandwich at the ballpark in Pittsburgh. Absolutely. You can. Oh yeah. You can get it at Akershire Stadium as, as my son still calls Heinz Field, as well as PNC Park for the, for the Pirates. But what it's, you know, begs one other question. All right. We're going to quick little sidebar from the hot pan. We'll get back to question number two. You talk about cost of ballpark food. Yeah. You probably love the field of dreams like I do. Sure. Remember the part in there? It's like, so, so what do you want? Well, I want people to Leave me alone. No. I mean, what do you want? I'll take a dog and a beer. Two dogs, two hot dogs and two beers for seven bucks in nineteen late 1980s. I don't know if that really happened, did it? I, I don't know, but that would cost $200 now, right? Yes, it would. You yeah. Feed a family of 12. Okay. So second question, cake donut, yeast donut, or off the board and like a croissant? I'm going to go cake donut on that one. Okay. Now, is it plain or what do you lather it up with? I'm a, I'm a plain kind of baked good person. Okay. Like cheesecake, New York cheesecake, plain. No berries or anything on the side? No berries. No whipped topping? No berries. <sighs> None no of berries. that? Okay. No berries. And, and, and another one. Okay. Pizza. No pepperoni. No sausage. No pineapple. Okay. Are we ending the show right now? Because I don't know if we can go on, but no. Pizza, good. cheesecake. Okay. Plain. Plain Jane. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. That's good. All right. Third question. You've had your hands on a lot of things sports-wise, and you talk about this special car from the LA Dodgers bullpen. Favorite sports memorabilia item that you've kept over all these years? And just so you know, for our listeners... Frank's had his own bobblehead going back years and years. You still have a few of those, right? I have a few a few bobbleheads. They embarrass me every time they show up anywhere. But you, you talk about a piece of baseball memorabilia. When, when I was eight years old in 1963, 
my dad's sister, my Aunt Grace, worked in an office. And one of the people who worked for her was dating a guy named Cleet Boyer. Okay. Cleet Boyer was the third baseman for the New York Yankees during their world championship run in the early 60s. And Cleet Boyer passed around a baseball to the 1963 Yankees. It's, it's faded a little bit, but that's 60 years ago now. And you can still very easily make out, you know, Mickey Mantle's signature and Yogi Berra's signature. And, and, you know, Ralph Houck was the manager and Whitey Ford and believe Joe Pepitone was on that team and Bobby Richardson and Tom Tresh. And Bruce uh, Gowron was he Bruce Gowron was on was on that team and and I think Al Downing was one of the pitchers and wow and what's what's Al Downing mostly known for I guess in the in the scheme of baseball he threw a no hitter at some point didn't he Al Downing didn't he throw the big home run ball to Hank, Hank Aaron, Aaron seven fifteen he was pitching for yeah, the Dodgers for the right Dodgers and who caught the ball and and the bull and the bullpen out you did no it was not me thank you very much <laughs> thank you Frank. It was a guy named Tom House. Oh right? my gosh! Yeah, you're. If, oh if man! You want to go down the? You the, do know more. If you want to go down this I path, do. right? Million dollar arm about the Pirates. Yeah. A couple, uh, Indian baseball players. Yep. The guy who was coaching along was Tom House. Yep. Right. Yep. There, so, there, there you go. And and I should give you my baseball. No, uh, no, no. You're out of that. That is that is awesome. Very special. All right. So you're talking about the you know growing up in the Northeast. You went to Rutgers. I mean, great school. High school in Staten Island. Do you, do you get back there at all? Do you and and do you try to find your way to a ballpark or a stadium or an arena? Uh, all the time, I, I get back there. I'm I'm pretty excited by by for several reasons to go back to the new the New York area. You know, my mom and dad are are getting on in years, but we have both of them. They live in nearby Whiting, New Jersey. They're 93 years old, so I, I love to get back That's there awesome. as often as I can. And just as special, or, or maybe even a little more so, is we have two sons, and our older son, Greg, lives in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn, and we are going to have our first grandchild in January. And the cool thing about that is that I was born in Brooklyn, and she will be born in Brooklyn. And so we get we get to New York as, as often as we can. I, I would go to Yankee Stadium, even if there was no game being played there. I love, you know, that that ballpark has has all my childhood memories. It's the new one now, of course, not, sure. not you know, but, but baseball is such a great way to, to bond. I know that you and Cameron have, have bonded over baseball. My sons and I have done the same. And, you know, I just have so many rich sports memories from New York that I, I love to go to uh, Rutgers football games. I was at the Northwestern game earlier this season. And, and you know, I, I, lo- I love to go to sporting events anywhere. Yeah. That's awesome. Fantastic. I mean, there you know, there's a book out there George W. Bush wrote about his father, Portrait of My Father. And you've got a little bit of that moment, maybe yeah. Portrait of My Grandfather coming along. Now, your other son, let's talk about him because we, we're at odds here again for those that are listening at home. Um, He's going to Florida State University, which is, you know, they've had a, a resurgence in in football. And in my alma mater, the Gators, have had a little bit of a tough tough run this year. So how is it going down in Tallahassee? I knew this podcast was going to come to blows. Well, he, he was a student there, and he's now uh, on the staff there. He works in the psychology department. His wife 
also went to school there and works on the staff right now. And the reason that they chose Florida State is that my son is a circus performer. And Florida State University is the only university in the world, I guess, with a three-ring circus tent on it and a very, very active student circus. It's 77 years old now, I, I believe. It started just after World War II. And my son was a trapeze flyer there and actually went on to have a career in performing in, in circuses around the world and was one of very few people who could actually do a triple somersault on the flying trapeze, get caught, and, and come back. It's, it's, it, it's not really a good bar skill because it's hard to have a trapeze rig in a bar. But but it's it's really remarkable and and thrilling to watch your kid perform on the flying trapeze. It's incredible, and I'll I'll tell you two two comments on that is, growing up in Central Florida, our family we would vacation up near Pine Mountain, Georgia, Callaway Gardens, Callaway Gardens, and Florida State always had the circus performers there over the summer doing you know performances, and we saw them time after time, outstanding stuff. My second one is. You know, we're after Halloween, but there's you know, there's a thing in St. Louis where you have to you have to say a, a joke, sure, tell a joke to to get some candy. So at least I'm going to throw this one out of you. I think it's topical. So let's say you're walking down an alley in in Brooklyn, and Here you get go. you get you know faced with a whole bunch of clowns. What do you do? Oh, there's a pregnant pause in the middle of this podcast now. Go ahead. Tell me, what do I do? You go for the juggler. You go for the juggler. Oh, there you go. I'm man, sorry. That's that was... for this. Let's keep that in. Do not edit that out. That, that stays in this. That, right? that is actually and, quite and, good. And people are thinking right now, these guys are a bunch of clowns. That, but, all right. That is actually quite good. And I have to make a comment about what you said. And, and my son did perform for three summers at Callaway Gardens. As I knew we were going to come to blows over this, I also knew that we would find some common ground. And uh, and the question that I get more frequently is, how did your son end up in the circus? And my answer to that question is, it's genetic. His father is a clown. So there you <laughs> That's go. That's pretty good. Well, if you want to know anything about the clowns here on The Oven Light, feel free to to send us a note, send us an email at theovenlight at abmari.com, theovenlight at abmari.com. If you got a question for Frank or you want to stay connected or send me uh, a note as well, and we'll be happy to send you some swag. So stay in touch with us. All right. So let's go turn our attention towards a huge event, and it comes up annually. We, we teased it earlier. comes up in December, and I'm looking at the sport coat you're wearing, and it's got a great number six. And we're not talking about Julius Irving. He was a great number six. But we're talking about one guy and and something that he is known for, for his sportsmanship. Do you want to talk a little bit about sure. the Musial Awards? Yeah, we're talking about Stan Musial, probably the most beloved baseball cardinal of them all. Someone I got to know a little bit when I was working at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, one of his daughters, was a student there. And, and he helped us do some fundraising and... and uh, uh, o- over the years, uh, you know, his his personality and his baseball talent have become legendary. But uh, if there's a, a classier, more graceful, kinder, uh, m- more wonderful spirit in the game, I don't know who it is. And, and so uh, the St. Louis Sports Commission, um, you know, w- was looking to uh, to produce an event with a higher purpose. We have a foundation and and part of the organization brings high profile 
sporting events like the Final Four to town, which we talked about already. But our, our charitable side was looking for a, for a higher purpose and to create an event that, that could shine through many other events in, in sports. And we settled on sportsmanship. And, and we spoke with the Musial family to, to, to use Stan's name. They were so gracious to, to allow us to do that. And every November, we produce a live event called the Musial Awards, which are for extraordinary sportsmanship. And we honor high-profile lifetime sportsmen and, and women. And then we, we also honor those you may not know about that, that, that do incredible things, incredibly wonderful things in sports to respect the game, to respect their opponents. And, and over the past 17 years, we have won countless Emmy Awards for our TV show, which is now produced by a company called Al Roker Entertainment. And it well, is, he's kind of a big name. He's, he's kind yeah, of a big name. Yeah. The live show takes place every year on the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And then the show is edited down and uh, appears on CBS nationally during the Christmas season. Uh, this year it will air on uh, Christmas Eve coming out of NFL football. We had 2 million viewers last year. And the stories we tell are, are just so heartwarming and and the event is 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 so meaningful that we put a pack of tissues out at every seat okay. i've seen that I've, I've been there i know and it's it's compelling I, I remember when cal ripkin who is our lifetime honoree came on stage and he said i saw this pack of tissues i didn't know what it was for he said i put it in my pocket that was that he said i broke it out before the end of the first story it was that it was that wonderful, and and I love to see we we love to see the reactions of of people like another one I think about is is Wayne Gretzky. We honored Wayne and Janet Gretzky as our lifetime achievement award winners a couple of years ago, and they came on stage and and Wayne literally said, "I'm just a hockey player. Janet's just a dancer. We don't belong on this stage with this greatness." You mentioned a guy few minutes ago named Hank Aaron. We presented Hank Aaron the Lifetime Achievement Award in Sportsmanship, and he said it was the greatest honor of his life in Stan Musial's name. Wow. And That's powerful when you have people who are at this, right? I mean, so great that your nickname is the great one, right? Exactly. Or, you know, the the home run leader, of, it, you know, it, I mean. Exactly. And, and, and so the high-profile honorees are wonderful. But, but those you just learn about for the first time are, are incredible. And, and this year, for the first time in 17 years, we're honoring an animal for, for good sportsmanship. Oh, now, now the interest has been peaked. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We're, Tune in. We are. We're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little, little tip on this one, but we're honoring a, a horse named Cody's Wish. And if you don't know the story of Cody's Wish, Google it. It's it's the most incredible story how that horse befriended a young boy profoundly with profound medical issues and and was was interested in horses and 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 that horse came by and and has a special affinity with with young Cody so much so that they named the horse after him Cody's wish and he's running this year in the Breeders' Stakes for, for the Breeders' Cup for the second time and has had a very 
rich and distinguished career. And Cody's wish is going to be honored at the at the Music Awards. Who's got year. the tissues in the room here? Oh. Are you kidding me? Man. It's it's awesome. It's an awesome story, and we couldn't be more excited. Our, our top honorees this year, our high-profile honorees, are, are going to be former U.S. Senator Bill Bradley, who played basketball at Princeton and, and for the New York Knicks and was one of my childhood sports heroes. And then our Extraordinary Character Award this year goes to Adam Wainwright, who had a just a, a magnificent pitching career here in St. Louis. And and everybody will tell you he was a better guy than a than a pitcher, and he was a darn good pitcher. Absolutely. I mean, he was a St. Louis guy through and through as well. All right. Hey, so if, if you're listening out there, you're driving to your car, you're in your office, you're going for a run, put that on your on your schedule for Christmas Eve. Take a break from football. Watch the Musial Awards on CBS. It'll it'll be a time that well spent and great storytelling. It, it will be, and and all of our stories after the show are posted at musialawards.com, and and so you can go back and look at some of our previous stories, and and definitely have tissues with you because they're they're not sad, they're heartwarming, and 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 they're so very real, and and we're so proud to be able to. To uh, we call them the most important awards in sports because we consider sportsmanship to be the most important part of sports. And if you don't respect the rules, you don't respect the game, you don't respect the opponent, then then you don't have sports. And 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 so we're so happy to to celebrate sportsmanship and and set all these wonderful stories up as examples for us all. You know the message is if somebody falls, pick them up, and and that's what. Uh, life is all about. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So before we go, we got a, a few last hot pan questions. So let's uh, let's heat up that plate again. Here we go. Do you consider a bratwurst, a hot bratwurst on a hot dog bun, is that a sandwich? You're talking to a vegetarian. So no, that's not a sandwich. <laughs> okay. What if it's a, you know, a mission, you know, impossible? A, a Beyond Burger? Yeah, exactly. Well, I, guess that's, I guess that's a sandwich then, yeah. Okay. Favorite bread item at a restaurant anywhere? Could be up in New York, could be in the Hill District, which is known for Italian here. Some place that's okay. had unbelievable bread that you're like, I just here for the bread. Okay. I'm, I'm going to deflect that question just a little bit, okay, because you said bread item. And and I am addicted to a very specific bread-related item, and and that would be pretzels. Okay, I I, I love I love pretzels. If, if there was if, if there were only two foods, okay, that that I could eat forever, they would be eggplant parmesan sandwiches. You weren't lying. I wasn't lying. Eggplant. Okay, and pretzels. Okay, well, okay. Here's the question, though. Soft, like the ones you can get salt or not salt, you see them at the ballpark? Or are we talking like pretzels in the bag? The crunchier, the better, okay? The crunchier, the, the darker, the better. Now, that doesn't mean that that we didn't go to Berlin and, and eat pretzels there that were absolutely sublime. And that doesn't mean that I can get through the Philadelphia airport without buying some some soft, doughy, delicious, mustardy Philadelphia pretzels. But but you give me an extra dark spe- special out of the Utz bag or or the the splits bag and uh, I'm in heaven. I'm not here to like promote any product, but 
I will say when we go through the Pittsburgh airport and you have that Auntie Anne's right next to the gate, there's something about that. Yeah. Aura. It's, it's pretty magnificent. The other is if you're talking about crunchy pretzels, and I'm not here, but although I am a personal proponent of Hershey and Dot's pretzels, Dot in South Dakota, whatever she did with that seasoning is probably one of the best things. Pretzel addict right here. Yeah, absolutely. Good to know. Hey, Frank, have to thank you for coming on the program, talking a little bit about baking, talking a little bit about sports. We've got great days ahead, and I wish you all the best. Thanks for your service for the St. Louis community. And and for now, keep on baking, brother. You're doing a great job. I, I, I was a little scared about coming on to, to, a, to a baking podcast, but this was a lot of fun. Awesome. Hey, so for now, you know, listen up. Again, if you've got a question, you can shoot it to us at theovenlight at abmaori.com. Thanks for, for listening. And for now, the switch is off. The oven light is off. And we'll see you next time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Oven Light. Until next time, when we discuss more about the wonderful world of baking technology, trends, and more, the switch is officially off. Goodbye for now. See you next time. <laughs>